Buddhist geeks. Seriously Buddhist, seriously geeky. Episode 82, Sleep as a Spiritual Journey. Tenzin Mongyo Rinpoche, an esteemed teacher in the Bern Buddhist tradition of Tibet, joins the geeks to discuss the importance of sleep and dream practices in relation to our spiritual paths. This is part one of a two-part series. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or a small recurring donation by visiting buddhadharma20.com slash donate. Hello, Buddhist Geeks. This is Vince Horn back again with my friend and compadre, Ryan Olke. Hello. Hey. And uh, today we have a very special guest, Tenzin Wangil Rinpoche. He's uh, one of my favorite teachers and uh, he's written a favorite book of Vince and mine yep. entitled The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep. It's an excellent book and we'll be talking a little bit about that today, talking about dream yoga. Yep. And uh, Rinpoche, uh, he's the spiritual director of Likmincha Institute where he's uh, leading a retreat right now. Is that right, Rinpoche? Yes, correct. Yes, we are in a uh, three-week-long retreat. We are in our first week, so been wonderful here. Great. And uh, it seems that uh, you do pretty regular retreats there. Yes, we do uh, at many retreats, but personally, I lead uh, four retreats a year. It's uh, one in the spring. Uh, usually, we're trying to teach the topics like more related with the nature and 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 we do like a summer retreat during the time where people have more time to able to come so three week retreat and in the fall another one we focus on more on authentic uh, transformation path and mm-hmm. then in the winter we try to focus on the Dzogchi, uh teachings um, so this is uh, usually it's close uh, so we have been doing last you know 15 years <laughs> Right, right. And you uh, have been trained in the, the Tibetan tradition. People know it as the Bon tradition or in Tibetan is the Pun tradition. And um, for me, it's actually kind of similar because my teacher is Namkai Norbu Rinpoche. So when I picked up your book, I noticed so many similarities between what the both of you teach. But there are some uh, uh, similarities with the Buddhist teachings and some integration of the Buddhist teachings. And there's some differences too. Sure, absolutely. Well, generally... I consider it as, you know, like a man officially considered as a man as a form of Buddhism. Uh-huh. So generally, if you if you think about what the definition of Buddhism is, is that the one who takes refuge in the Buddha, and uh, so the one who takes refuge in the Buddha becomes a Buddhist. Right. And also, uh, we, Tambashara uh, Miyoche, it's a, a totally enlightened form of Buddha, uh-huh. and also connected with the Shakyamuni. So we uh, consider it as burned as a form of Buddhism, right. uh, but uh, not particularly uh, exclusively came down through the Shakyamuni because it, it was much before earlier. And so as far as the specific forms of teachings is concerned, um, Bern and uh, Nyingma school in Tibetan Buddhism, we hear a lot, right. I think, and uh, particularly uh, some forms of tantra 
and uh, especially uh, in teachings on the Dokche. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dokche is a part of great perfection, and so that great perfection is clearly shared both in Bern and and Nyingmapa. Right. Great. Yeah, not sure how many how uh, much exposure people have had, or really an understanding of the Bern tradition. Um, mm-hmm. But I, that, that's been my sense of Well, tra- basically, and uh, one can look at Bern tradition as it's like a, a complete. A path to enlightenment mm-hmm. uh, from a very basic uh, understanding, knowledges, practices re- related with the raw elements, with the nature, and the nature spirits, the power of the nature, the plants, and mm-hmm. the spirits, and so on, mm-hmm. and to understanding of these element principles in the human body. Uh, in uh, with our organism in our body, the internal anatomy of sacred anatomy, how to work with them with the understanding of inner elements, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. finally the understanding of these inner elements in its subtlest form uh, related with our consciousness, so the different dimension of our consciousness and different characteristic of our awareness. Uh, how to work with them in the Indian tradition. So, so it's basically from raw to light mm-hmm. of forms of element working. So, that's I think kind of simple explanation of what one one can expect from them. And then it depends on uh, each individual's ability to understand uh, the different levels. You know, people like. Uh, if you think about joy, uh, just simple example, joy is somebody who knows what it means to joy winning a lottery. Another person might know uh, joy of, you know, existing, just being existed, mm-hmm. you know, or another person might have experience of joy with no reasons. Mm-hmm. All three are joy, but they're dependent, these joys are dependent on a grosser and grosser aspect of uh, reality, you know? Right. So same way with these levels of elements are so much differences and level of, levels of our existence are so much differences. Level of our awareness is so much differences. So uh, nine ways of burn is usually characterized as the teachings in the burn. So it's uh, quite a elaborate teaching and uh, the David Snellgrove, the professor from uh, England, uh, has a translated called, book called Nine Ways of Burn. So those are the forms of teachings. Great. Thank you for that, Rinpoche. Today we wanted to really talk to you a lot about something you're known for, and that's uh, teachings on dream yoga. And for me, I haven't noticed that many teachers who teach on it. Uh, you and Namkarnoba Rinpoche are one of the primary teachers that I've uh, read and studied with. And one of the f- our favorite quotes from your book is, you say, if someone tells us that they spent many years in retreat, we are impressed, and rightly so. This kind of effort is needed to attain enlightenment. But in our busy life, such a thing may seem to be impossible. We may wish to do a traditional three-year retreat, but feel that our circumstances will never allow it. But actually, we have all the possibility of doing this much practice. During the next 10 years of life, we will have spent over three years in sleep. And that's really amazing to me. The first time I read that, I was blown away. I was like, you're totally right. That's so much time that we spend every night, usually just blacked out yes, or... absolutely <laughs> so usually this uh, you know it is said that uh, we spend one third of our lifetime we sleep so I just imagine average from 20 to 25 years everybody sleep if you lo- live long enough right. so that uh, 20 years uh, sleeping 
And when you think about 20 years in sleep, <laughs> no kidding. And that seems like a, a lot of time to sleep. And particularly when you think about, I, I have no clue uh, what is happening in these 20 years of my life. Right. <laughs> that seems like a, a worse. Right. And when you I. Know, it's uh, kind of scary. So that uh, in some way, of course, that's how we pass our not only sleep, but also our waking life. Very, very often we pass that way. So, so that's really like a, um, one way if you think about. I've, it seems like a kind of very hidden a time that exists in our life. There's an incredible uh, possibility to explore uh, both for our personal development and particularly our spiritual development as many ancient masters have applied. You know, I always uh, look at one of the great masters in the Burn tradition called Shalzan who achieved body of light in the beginning of the century. So, it's uh, if you uh, look at him, uh, he he seems accomplished so much in his life as far as a uh, scholar, author, published uh, you know written many books, mm-hmm. as as far as uh, turning the wheel of the Dharma to helping changing people's life. Have many many students, as far as ex- externally like uh, you know establishing the monasteries, uh, enormous accomplishment, but. When you think about external accomplishment, what he have done, how, how did you find time? <laughs> it seems like a very much that he he has another way of applying using times, you know. Right. So that's why I encourage people, you know, like at least you know, uh, just try and see if maybe it's possible for either one person, you know. Right. And I was just thinking that you know during the daytime it's really easy for me to get busy. Like, oh, I got stuff to do. But when I think about sleep, it's like, what do I got to do? You know, <laughs> when I'm sleeping all night, yeah. you know, the, yeah. like that seems like a really good time to practice for sure, given that. And also, if you look at the uh, practice, you know, I think one of the, uh, the advantage in the sleep is uh, once before you actually follow sleep, uh, before any uh, parts of segments of the sleep, if you're trying to maintain a certain awareness, a certain attitude, certain virtues, thoughts, engaging with certain energy with the mantras and awareness. And somehow it has the ability to continue until you wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. less chances of interference, those qualities, than in our waking state. You know, if you're in a waking state when you're trying to do a meditation and uh, you start with a uh, you know, first few minutes is excellent meditation, and after ten minutes, and then you seems like you know you have an enormous amount of thought. Where you, when you're doing thoughtless meditation, you become the most creative person in the world. Or mm-hmm. when you're trying to visualize, or being trying to visualize having a practice of generating stage in the tantra, and then you become kind of completely empty in mind have no thoughts or no way of creativity, imagination is lacking there. So somehow it's very hard for us to continue uh, practicing in a waking state, you know? So right. if somebody's able to, before you go to sleep, you know, maintain a right thought, it has ability to continue. You know, I always tell, if you, if you have a loving thought before you go to sleep, there's a good chance your loving thought remains there for the next seven hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. That means... Uh, unofficially, somehow you are practicing on loving kindness for seven hours. Interesting. And you do wake up kind of with a good, good mood and positive and some, you know, better perspective of life. 
And another time that we, we don't know often is we, we go to sleep. Very often, at the end of the day, we say, what have I, what I have done during the daytime? And we begin to think, oh, instead of thinking all the things that we have done, we often we trying to dwell into what we haven't done, what we, I couldn't do, what was a, what I failed to do, and what I don't like to do, and what I have to do tomorrow. And usually you come down to the conclusion, all the things that you don't want to do, you hate to do, you haven't done it, and you think about, oh, I need to do it tomorrow. So you with that that bad mood, you go to sleep. You take from the, those yellow pieces of list of to-do list, <laughs> unwanting, one-wanting to-do list from from school to office to your home to dining table to your bedroom. Right. You see, and you go so close to those energy, you go to sleep, and nobody wanted to wake up in that world next morning, you know? And then when you get up, you feel tired, you feel aches, and you know. So, because you very unconsciously with bad habit, you activated all those things before you went to sleep. Mm. And that not only you activated before you went to sleep, but after you fall asleep, it keeps on activating in your system throughout the night. And it's very hard to wake up in the morning and every morning, if, if one morning is okay, two mornings okay, but uh, you know, week after week, month after month, it's mm. totally exhausting. Mm. Given that, would you say that the dream yoga practice is just as important as your day practice? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the practice of the day and night should be connected because this is, I mean, mm. the day and night is connected in itself. So our practices in relation to the day and night should be connected because they, they can support each other. Uh, what I just exactly said, that if you maintain a certain awareness before you go to sleep, mm. not dwell too much into the negativity, trying to clear something, trying to look at sleep as a really incredible uh, possibility, a journey, in a spiritual journey, a sacred journey that you can take when you go to sleep. Look with that you know, freshness, with the prayer, with the right attitude, when you go to sleep, with purposeful, go to sleep. If that becomes successful, you get up automatically in an incredible mood. <laughs> You get up in a terrible mood, you, you, you're open, you're clear, you see some more light, you see more some possibility, uh, and then you start that day that way, and of course some point during the daytime, maybe early in the morning, late morning, you, you're going to find some challenges. So the moment you find challenges, you have to deal with those challenges with that attitude that you came with in the morning. If you're able to deal with it, then you have some success. You go in the rest of the day. So like that, your your goal is to continue that until to the evening. And then if you bridge that cycle for the next night, that's incredible. Mm. Yeah. So that each, each cycle of getting better and better and better, so the day definitely helps the night. Night definitely helps the day. You know, I sometimes say, uh, look at the day. Day is like a, a, one lifelong you know, morning you when you wake up, it's like you you're born. Mm. You and everybody, even though your life is difficult, everything is. Everybody has some sense of freshness in it. You know, mm -hmm. you, this early in the morning is a beautiful time, and everything is quietly. You get up, there's some sense of freshness, and you some sense of then you you get your breakfast. You know, you then you go into the like around nine ten o'clock or something like that. That's the how the you begin to you go to your university and then maybe around 11 o'clock where you start to find a job in your life and 
by at three o'clock you have midlife crisis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it goes the, until the evening, then you are kind of half dead, you know, old. And then by the time you throw yourself on the bed, you're dead, basically. And um, so just that if every cycle kind of went well, uh, birth is better, good, engaging with the world is good, uh, facing the challenges is okay. And when you getting into the closer to the evening, you still maintain some sense of uh, at, at right attitude, positive view. And as you fall asleep with that way, it changes the night. Mm. And, and Rishay, so you made that analogy of, of living and dying and, and seeing our day and night that way. And uh, there's a quote in your book about uh, dream practice and death. You say, uh, look to your experience in dreams to know how you will fare in death. Look to your experience of sleep to discover whether or not you are truly awake. So can you talk a little bit about that to say what the practice of mastery of dream yoga will help in dying? Yes, uh, basically, if, if, if just imagine that every single night that when we go to sleep, there is a, a natural sense of a dissolution of element mm. from earth, water, fire, air, space. So basically, uh, our sense connection to the external world, we, we, you know, the lights, environmentally light goes down, you turn off your light, you close your eye, the inner light kind of becomes dull, you draw your uh, sense and uh, mind toward inside, toward the base. So there's, a, there's some sense of dissolution. So in our awareness, we are able to be aware of uh, gross objects, gross situations, a challenging situation, when they get subtler and subtler and subtler, we get less aware, less aware, less aware. When we when we draw our attention internally, we get less and less aware. So it's it's a it's a question about learning, of course, some some sense of you know educating oneself about these materials also first, and then as you fall asleep, you can see stages of dissolution of the element. So, mm. for example, earth to, earth to water. That step is already from one gross to subtler. And some people might immediately lose sense of sense of being, sense of connection, sense of identity. and mm. Or some other people might be able to maintain that. So, earth to water, water to fire, then some other people lose there. So, mm. fire to air, and so, I said the air and air to space there's a chance we can lose the connection to our awareness. Mm. So in during the sleep, if you pay attention, first able to even to see there is a stages of a dissolution of awareness. Mm. And can I be aware, even if really getting subtler, 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 even there's no objects left or no engaging things are left, can I still be aware, 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 aware? So that is, if one is able to develop that awareness, not losing one's awareness, even grosser elements are dissolving. So that same thing is going to happen when we die. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, 
self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.